With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What time is the 11 o'clock recording? I apologize. <laughs> Shower went a little long. Shower but the hair, the hair looks good, so you're making it, making it worth it. Well, you know what I didn't do? You know what I didn't do? Because I, I, I was up on a time crunch because we, we launched JR's interview today. So JR's launched today. So I was up against that. So I'm, I'm like, you know, trying to get all that because Riv doesn't do anything. He just mic on and, you know, that's, that's just about it. And so I was up against that. So I had an extra Yo, long shower. I will allow you to listen to this absolute hogwash. You know that that is not true. Riv, can I finish, please? Thank you. So my shower went a little long. So you know what I didn't do? It went, even though I had a long shower, I just today, Gio, I had some, I had some stuff in it yesterday. Yeah. So I just, I didn't wash it. Right. You sometimes if you just, if you don't wash yesterday's product out of your hair, it just, it actually sits, sits, sits nice. pretty, sits pretty nice. You know, like Riv wouldn't know princess Leia over there. Look at those head, look at them head muffs he's got on there. Like what? Get some new headphones. Nope. These are, these are elite headphones. And you know how I know that? Because my kids like to play video games and they say, Dad, <laughs> these, these bad boys, these, these are the real deals. So he's wearing the kids, if the kids are using gaming. them. If, if the kids are using them, yep. they must be hot. Exactly. Well, so Gio, welcome to the episode, man. Welcome to the show. Appreciate Thanks. you, uh, you know, your willingness to want to want to hang out with us once a week. No, if, I loved if it. Not I loved more, it. <laughs> if not more, depending on your busy schedule, because we know we're, you know, retired rich guys have a really busy life. I do. And that's kind of where we came to the 11 o'clock thing. I had to get my workout in. If uh, everyone's got their routine, right? You retire and you find your way. Mine's, uh, my addictions are working out. My kids, uh, things yeah. like that. Well, let me tell you something. This is not why we started at 11 o'clock. If you understand this, you last night, had asked, what time are we coming on? And I said, and I wrote in, and I said, uh, let's, let's do this at 10 o'clock. That's our usual time. What was written in by Petey? <laughs> I forgot all about this. What was written in I by Petey? Petey uh, wanted a little sleep in there. <laughs> you have, like, I forgot. I it? forgot. I yeah, forgot. Exactly. I, haven't, I haven't seen sleeping in is like 8, 8.15. Well, that's what it was. It was. It was like I, I slept in until I think about seven fifty. Like that's that was my sleeping. But I just wanted to be slow moving. I didn't there was like my you know like my my son goes back to his mom's on Wednesday, so we're Wednesday to Wednesday. We're week on week off, right? So, so by the end of the week, like Wednesday, I'm 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 not exhausted, but I mean I've just had I'm a single dad for a whole week. So basically, I'm a I'm an eight year old because I'm playing with an eight year old, and he was home sick for five days. Okay, so yeah. So like I was, you know, I just, I didn't want to get everything done yesterday. So I just, I just wanted to sleep in and then just kind of slow move a little bit. Like Riv, I was talking to Riv on the phone. Good like for I, you. Let's, uh, yeah. let's do the meeting at 11 o'clock, which is like halfway through the day, but don't worry <laughs> about it. Well, anyway, look, well, 
on top of that, we, we say that, but there's, you can also use the excuse that there's a, a ton of information to be processed with some of the, some of the conversations that have gone on guys. I mean, like, let's not sugarcoat it. I mean, this Kyle beach and good for him for coming forward. And his interview was incredibly powerful, but this story is disgusting. It's as disgusting as it gets. I don't, I don't know another word to, to describe it. And and I just think that when you are in a position of power and you cover something up for your, for your own well-being, I mean, you deserve to pay and you deserve to pay dearly because you are just as guilty as the person committing the crime, in my opinion. Lots right. to take in. Lots to take in in this story. And I'm going to tell you, you know, we were all a part of this league, this great league, but I'm going to tell you there, this, this certainly is a, a, a black eye to, uh, to so many that failed this young man. And, uh, you know, listening to his interview, um, yesterday was, is tough. It's tough watching it, tough watching this guy at the age of, I think he's 30 years old now, kind of rehash, everything that he has gone through over I'm sure the last 10 years of, of kind of burying, trying to bury and cover up those feelings and understanding of what, what happened. Um, you know, the failure, the failure from so many high executives that failed this young man and basically tried to try to sweep it under the table, like nothing happened. And, um, you know, you can see now that he's still dealing with, uh, with demons, demons that he has been covering up for so many years. And now for the very first time in a long time, since 2010, he's not a liar. All the, the report, all the reports that have been done on this, all the due diligence, the behind the scenes, all the people that have been spoken to speak his truth. And now probably for the first time in a very long time that his healing is going to start now because he's been told by so many that this didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he's, it's going to take uh, much longer for him to, to come to terms with this and deal with it. But uh, the healing starts now because it is out. It, I, it's it's lifelong, right? It's devastating, uh, courageous, uh, but it, it's going to be lifelong. And I don't know that I don't know that victims will ever heal, right? Like if you if you look at it, it's it's a process where they try to get better, they try to come to grips with it, but uh, the the healing process is lifelong. And he. Uh, in, in my mind, and, and I don't know, I've never been in a position that he has been in, but I think his healing is just starting now because now it's out. Now there's been uh, the weight of the world. I, is I think that's, I think exactly the, the, the justice starts now. So his, but to bring all this up, that's going to spark a lot of other things inside him, and it's, it's just starting now. And so, you have to feel for him in that interview. You see him; he's just—he's broken because he, in so How many ways, that he wasn't supported. Yes, and how long was it? 30, I would say twenty-five minutes. 
Yeah, 20 maybe, you know, 20, 25 minutes. It looked like the guy was ready just to break down. He's so distraught. He's so tired. He's, I'm sure the emotions, no one, I, I can't understand what he's dealing with. And, um, you know, to have him speak of, you know, the last number of years, how he's tried to navigate his way, you know, because the passion was hockey, okay? The passion when he was a young kid growing up, you know, trying to develop, you know, his skills to play a lifelong dream, and that's playing in the National Hockey League, to be a first-round draft pick, to be a guy that was drafted 11th overall in the 2008 entry draft. This player was very good. And this obviously was a you know, a portion of why things got derailed in his pursuit of playing in the National Hockey League. And it, he spoke of, you know, alcohol abuse. He spoke of drug abuse, you know, trying to and trying to, to, to cover up the emotions that he's trying to deal with. And besides that, the, the <clears throat> courage that he showed right away to come out with it like that – Think of how many victims take years and years and years to then finally build up the courage. He came with it right away. And then to have to sit there and be in the same room with the guy or to know that nothing is being done. You're talking a 19, 20-year-old kid, and I don't care what anyone says. You are a kid. I think of my own at 16 now. That's a few years from now. Like, it's yeah. a kid. And for him to have the courage to – say something to somebody and then sit back and have to be there with them and see that, see him reaping benefits of, 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 of reward of the Stanley cup and, and the parade and, and, and being uh, rewarded. Celebrated. It's been brutal. Celebrated. You know I, mean? Like, I mean, I, you know, it's, 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 did the players know when they won the cup that this was like, by the time they'd won the cup, I, I like there's like I said to you, there's so much information to process, and and and, and as as disturbing and, and and upsetting as the interview was with and credit to Rick Westhead by the way for all the investigative work and and everything that he did to bring this story to light, um, and there are other people that that Kyle Beach mentioned that deserve the credit. Um, but where I was going with that was, did did the players know? Well, first of all, the most disturbing part was, if you read, I tried to read as much as I could. I know that I probably read some of the most disturbing parts of the 107-page uh, report that was that was uh, released. Incredible, and some of the detailed graphics, the graphic details in, in there are uh, very disturbing. Uh, to say the least. Um, so I guess my question, like my question was, did the players know in 2010, by the time they hoisted the cup that this was going on? I, I feel like I was led to believe like it was circulating by that time. Right. I don't, I don't know that for sure. I, and I don't know. Riv, is there any, any, any recollection of that, that ever being of uh, say the question again. Like I, I, I guess the question is like, did the players on the team at the time in 2010 know about this situation? Yes. Had it started? Well, it's very simple. It's very simple. That is 100 percent. 
every single Black Hawk player knew about this situation because it came from two players, Brett Sopel and Nick Boynton, two players that were on that team that won the Stanley Cup, that went through the whole process. And when this came to light, the players on the team knew about it. Every player on that team knew about it. I just saw that picture of him hoisting the cup and I look in the background and you see like one person clapping and like a couple players with almost like a, not even a real happy look on their face. You know what I mean? Like if that were, I, I don't know. I don't know if maybe I'm just trying to tie the two together, but I just look and I think like if we had won the cup and Corey Smith were hoisting the cup, who was our video coach, we would have been loving it and so happy about it. Right. So I just, I don't know if I'm just over, over, analyzing that or over but i looked at that picture and there's brian campbell in the background and two other players and they just they don't look happy for this guy at all who's literally hoisting the cup in his glory and i wonder i wonder if they knew i mean i i guess we were told they knew we were it's in the investigation report that that players knew um someone I, someone had said i think it was uh, brett sopel or maybe it was nick point one of the two had been interviewed by rick westhead of TSN and and they spoke about all the players knew for three four days of the Stanley Cup finals that's what they talked about in the dressing room whether they're stretching whether they're doing this that and the other every player knew about. that's why I asked the question was because that picture that picture says a lot to me I mean if you go look at that picture I mean I I believe that to be true because I don't know I, I don't know I mean it's 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 kind of an interesting interesting uh you know, tie I'm trying to draw there, but I, I, I wonder if all the, I mean, I believe the players, they all knew what, what happens here, guys? Like, like he says in his interview there that Donald fear was aware. I mean, you see, obviously all the, all the executives from the Hawks all the way up, they've all been dismissed. Um, Stan Bowman's, you know, release, you know, was, was anything but remorseful. Um, if anything, it was someone uh, tweeted something saying that if, if anything, it was a uh, it was a, a, a resume for a net for a net for another job almost. You know, um, I don't think any of these people should be in hockey ever again. I think Quenville's done. I think Shovel Dayoff is soon to be done. Uh, I can't believe Quenville coached the other night. It's well. That's where's the urgency on the NHL to move on it? Like move on having this meeting with Chevrolet and Quenville and seeing where things stand. If you're going to do this investigation, they knew the report. They knew days ago what the report said and moving forward to have these meetings. I think that needs to be your number one priority. You need to move. Like they need to have it and they need to figure out what they knew, how long they knew for and what their actions were or weren't. And then go about taking care of it because at the end of the day, it's a huge stain on the NHL and we're no better than soccer or gymnastics in the sense that it was covered up. This is 11 years later and it's, it, the courage of the people that stood up at the time is what I keep drawing back on and how they must have felt 
but now to have waited 11 years for it to come to this is just, it's sad. It, it, it's sad on a society. It's sad on, on uh, leadership to let that drag for, for the amount of time that it did as victims sit there and lives are ruined. This is such a colossal failure on so many aspects. And I sit there and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, when you're Gary Bettman and you are just been literally given a, the biggest bombshell in, in many, many, many years in NHL history. And I'm thinking to myself, what is the very first thing that he needs to do? And this might be, you guys might raise your eyebrows and be like, that's the first thing you want to do. And it would be the first thing that I would do. It'd be like the very first thing that needs to happen before you start the process of doing everything else beyond this. And that get, and that's get that asshole's name off the cup. That disgusting, despicable human being. I hope he rots in jail. I'm going to tell you this. Brad Aldrich should not have that name on the cup. It is absolutely disgusting. Okay? That's number one. And then we can move on and start to try and figure out, you know, what's the next course of action. You know, you know the information was brought to the superiors of an organization Okay. And I know this kid did not play a game in the NHL. I know that he was a 19 year old kid. He was, he was the first round draft pick 11 pick overall came with allegations. And it's just incredible. The lack of, of, uh, I, I don't even understand how years later that, well, it's corruption. Done. It's corruption, and they're they're covering they're they're covering something up. I mean, let me ask you this. I mean, this. Do you think it would have been handled differently by any other organization? I mean, look, like this is not. Uh, this was completely mishandled. Okay, why law enforcement was not involved at any point? And uh, I mean, I, I don't understand that aspect of it because. The game is Joel not Quenville big. didn't want law enforcement. The game is not bigger Andy. than I understand that, but Joel Quenville that's up, wanted. But, he was trying to win a Stanley Cup, and he didn't want negative press. Yeah, but uh, but the, Joel players. Quenville doesn't decide if Kyle Beach goes to the police or not. Kyle Beach went to an authority. Yes, that authority I, went and had a closed meeting with an entire with the GM the director of uh, hockey operations, the assistant GM, they had the, um, the, you know, a clinical council, like the psychiatrist was there, the senior director of hockey operations, everybody that needed to be in that room was in that room to make the proper decision. They failed in the biggest of way. Yes, they, they did. They won a Stanley cup, that team, they won a Stanley cup, but they failed a young man that now is going to deal with this issue for the rest of his life because he became a liar. He became, this became something that, you know, did this really happen? Am I not worth anything that they're not, no one's, he went to Donald fear in the NHLPA, not maybe not directly Donald, but you are the, you are the president of the NHLPA. These are situations. It's not just negotiating goddamn deals with Gary Bettman. 
You are the president of the NHLPA. You're there to, to support and make right by all these players. And you failed this kid. You failed him. And now all of a sudden you're going to come out with a, with a friggin' tweet today saying, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll get it right next time. No, there shouldn't be a next time. There should not be a next time for you. I'm going to tell you that right now. You should be stepping down. Yeah, I agree with you that. You should be stepping down. I agree with that. You think this would have been handled any differently, Gio, if it were any other team? I mean... I, I'm not sure. I mean, you... you, you the optimist, the human side of you hopes that it would have been. Well, hindsight's you, easy, you right? Any, anyone, exactly, any executive, right. Now, exactly. any executive exactly. now can say, oh, I would have definitely done something about it. But, I mean, you look at all the, the Penn State. You look at all these other places that have kept this, this stuff quiet. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you, and, and it it's, may- it's, it's not as big a, uh, of a far-reaching scandal as, as gymnastics in the sense that um, – there's not as many victims, thank God. You know what I mean? But there are people that now, once he was released, so so even even you don't handle it right up front. You don't go to the authorities. You don't dismiss him right away. You don't give credit to uh, validity to Beach right away, and you keep him on till the end of playoffs, and then you get rid of him. But now, I guarantee that they gave him a vote of confidence in his next job or the next job he had. Like, how does that continue to happen that they go on to different high positions? And, and now another 16-year-old was, was a victim because well, of was, it. And, was... and, and Beach puts that on himself. No, that's on the, the – the, and I don't even want to that's give on his all the name. People that did, that's, that's, that's on, all that's the... on the people that, that didn't take care of it. And ultimately it's on – the 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 attacker like and i i don't even want to give validity to to the because to my feeling he's not even like human so i don't even want to say his name use his name give any kind of any any kind of uh exposure to to him because he he deserves you know and you sit there and you talk about punishment over it but he went on to be around kids in 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 a high-ranking position of so it came out people. where did he go to where did he go and become the video was it miami of ohio he, he was he was miami of ohio he was uh i believe USA, the u.s development M- program MTDP. u.s development he was he had, he had allegations there too he had i don't know where the allegations miami came of from ohio. He had yeah from 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 college assault. yes okay yeah they they let him go yeah he moves on and where does he go back? He, he went back to Canada and he yeah. was coaching a Bantam, yeah. a, a major Bantam team that has 16 year a major midget team that has 16 year old kids on it. And he sexually assaults a 16 year old kid. Well, I'm going to tell you something. These are the ones that came out. Do you know how much predatorial stuff that he has done sure. over, over all these years? a colossal failure yeah. by these people in in, in Donald Fear in the NHLPA yeah. and yeah. the Chicago Blackhawks. And I'm going to tell you right now, none of those guys should have the ability to work in hockey again. I had to take nothing away from what they've done as hockey people in this game, 
but I'm sorry, with a failure like this, there needs to be punishment because it's just not acceptable. And I'm going to tell you right now, you look at these, you look at these executives, these high, high-end executives. Let me ask you something. What if the person that was sexually assaulted was your own kid? What would happen then? What would, you go, what would you do if you were in the position of power and that was your kid that came to you and said all these things that had happened to him? You're just going to sweep it under the rug then? How much responsibility do any of the players have for this? Gio, you were a captain of a storage franchise, an original six. If you guys were winning a Stanley Cup or this happened in, in, on your watch, Riv, I'm not excusing your role on a, on a team. I'm just at, you know, asking our guests, how, how should Jonathan Taves have handled this? How old was Jonathan Taves at the time? Yeah. 2010. I mean, young. he was not, he's still young. Was 20, he 30, 33 right now? 34? He's probably 23 at the time. Yeah. 23 years old. I couldn't they don't do know how to handle it. They don't. Years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it comes from high, right? Like it always starts at the top. The players certainly probably could have done more. Um, but with saying that, you don't know what was, what they were saying and what they were bringing to coach to general manager to the president to higher ups you don't know whether they were saying now did they go to the extreme of walking out and not playing and not being a part of a team until the guy was dismissed no but without the information of knowing what they did and how they handled it I think it's a little premature to to speak to that certainly in hindsight you're going to say they could have done more um but you are talking about kids that was a you know uh you had young leaders on that team, and um, you, you don't know how much information they were given to the extent of detail what of, of what, what had happened. What was Kyle Beach given? What was he told? That it was going to be taken care of. And then it doesn't. You sit there and it doesn't so get was taken Jonathan care of. It was Jonathan Taves, the captain of, of the team at the he time. He was 21. 21? Taves was 21 at the time. How, how old was Kane? 20. Like, are, yeah. guys, are, are, are we talking about the players? Kids. Are we talking about the Kids. players are supposed to step up and do something? No, I was you asking. I was asking. That's why you have a president. No, listen, that's why you have hockey operation guys. That's why you have a GM. I know. I was, I was just asking. No, if, and it, it's a great question. And I, they, I they have there. a responsibility in the fact that on the human side of it to, to step up and say something how it's handled falls on the leadership, 100%. The next question I was going to ask you guys was, do you think, I think back to uh, the LA Clippers when um, their owner, and his name right now is drawing a blank, and I just, Don, uh, I think it's Donald something, uh, but anyway, Sterling, Sterling, um, was, you know, when he had the, the, the racist remarks, he was forced to sell the team. And... Now, granted, that was directly related to the owner and his wrongdoings. Do you feel like the same should happen here? Do you feel like the, this happened on the Wirtz family's watch and they should be asked to sell the team and remove themselves from owners? Or is that too extreme? 
Well, I think it's not too extreme in the sense that this kid's life has been ruined. Beach's life has been ruined lifelong. So I don't think anything should be off the table. It needs to be looked at their involvement and their actions in it. And their knowledge of it. Yes. How much did they know? How much did uh, Danny Warts know of this incident? But, you know, he's also in a situation that um, he's paying millions of dollars a year to executives to oversee his billion-dollar business. Okay, he's, he's paying these guys. That's why you have a president. That's why you have a GM. That's why you have a, a senior hockey ops guy. That's why you have all these guys to take care of this and, and do it properly. So should Danny Wartz, the, the owner of the team and the CEO of the team, is he supposed to um, pay for this? I don't know. I, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I have the answer to that. I, you know, I... I think that's why you put people in positions to run your business. And if they don't do things and they do things wrongly, they should be removed, which they have all been removed. But but when was, it goes back to the knowledge and when did he know? And when did he find out? When did he get details? And did it just come about that he removes these people when it becomes public and not, for the human side of it or the business side of it doing the right thing, even when no one knew about it. You know what I mean? Like that's if I don't want to use the term sweating the small stuff because this is no, not Danny Warts is not sweating the small stuff, but he's also running a multi-billion dollar businesses and he puts people in positions to run certain parts of the business. If they fail, they will get fired. And yeah. guess what? Mr. Wartz will be paying for this. And I'm not talking about the embarrassing $2 million fine that Gary Bedman from the NHL gave the Chicago Blackhawks. What a disgusting... How is how that how that's even public? It's one game revenue, a full night stands it's, right it, there. It's, it's one it's game revenue. Years. You lose a forty-one games, you're gonna lose one night's one night's revenue because some kid's life is ruined. Two million. Yeah, yeah. Two million is what we is what we value the appropriate fine if on. You a don't think there's gonna sexually be a abused lawsuit player on your roster? Pardon? By Kyle Beach, if you don't think there's gonna be a lawsuit by this young man, listen. Let me tell you something. He was nineteen years old and this happened to him, just starting. His career, he was drafted in the first round. He was drafted 11th overall. Do you think that this affect him? He told all the authorities that needed to be told. He told the NHLPA they did nothing. He told all of the brass, all of the executives in Chicago, they did nothing. And now he's got to live with this and deal with this, the stuff that happened to him that is just not right. And he's got to deal with this mentally and, 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 and emotionally and do you not think that that played a factor in his professional career? What would his factor. career earnings be? What, what would his career earnings be? What is, well, his, what, his potential how was... How much is our emotional His potential was, a, was a, probably a, a projected to be a 25-goal scoring second-line power forward. I mean, that's a $7 million player a year by the time he hits his prime. Well, not, for, back, not back in 2010, 
No, but if but he I goes totally in at two, two, if he goes in in 2010, he, say he steps in the league at 22, he'd, he'd still be playing. He, he's, he's only 30. Yes, he'd still be playing, and I'm he's just only thinking to myself, you have no idea. He played on 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 a on great teams in Chicago, and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, he's playing in a th- third division team in Germany, and he's and he's emotionally dealing with so much baggage, so much pressure and heaviness, you know, falling on alcohol and, and drugs and just, you know, trying to bury something that can't be buried. You can't bury this stuff. Okay. And I'm not saying money is, is, is the savior. Okay. Money's not the savior. He's got to deal with these things. You know, I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I've never been through anything like this, but I, I think that money is the last thing in his mind, but I'm just, for me, I'm just thinking someone's got to pay. Someone's got to give this guy some relief. And I hope that he makes out and it just will help the process of his healing. And I know money, that money is, it, that is the worst thing to think about. But it's, he it's, will it's, start to heal now. The, the money is tied to the punishment and the Absolutely. wrongdoing. It, it, that's go. where the money comes in. Is it's tied to the punishment, which it, it still will not justify it. No matter how much money you get, what he will have to deal with, what he has dealt with is beyond money. And I think that's what you're saying, Riz, is it's just, it, it's not the money. It's, it's, it's punishment it's it goes making... along with the vindication. Yesterday, yeah. yesterday yeah. or the day before, uh, when everyone was let go, and and heads started to roll, and they'll continue. Was was as he mentioned the starting of the healing process for him, and and you know what, winning a lawsuit will be another part of the healing process for him. That's that will be vindication for him, um, and 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 rightfully so. Uh, the the last question I'll ask you guys about this, um, because I think we're in agreement that everybody involved that knew had any uh, knowledge of this should be fired, uh, removed and never allowed back in the game. Do you think the Hawks should be stripped of their championships? No. I think it's a completely separate yeah, issue completely separate. that that's and, and it. It's not saying that they didn't go on and, and win and, and there were problems involved, but you, you, they still, it's just separate issues. I, I guess there's no real easy way to put it, except that it's a separate issue uh, from that. Okay. The issue to me right now is those men, those executives that were, were brought into the room sat down in the closed door meeting with the strength and conditioning uh, guy. What's his name? What was his name? Petey? Paul Vincent. Paul Vincent. Hero, by the way. Like, and Paul step Vincent. Up and do it. Yep. Paul Vincent told those men. Sure, very difficult conversation, but told those men that there needs to be action. We need to go to the police. And they had told him, we will take care of it. We will take care of it. And two weeks later, that predator was hoisting the Stanley Cup. It's just so wrong. All of those guys that were in that room, 
They shouldn't be working in this game. So it's not an easy transition uh, out of that conversation into another one, but I'll, I'll end that conversation with this. Elliot Friedman wrote an article, you know, weekly guest on the show. If you're new to the podcast, he joins us every week. We'll talk to him Monday and uh, that'll air Tuesday. Um, unless we can get it out Monday, right, Riv? I mean, there's no real schedule, is there? We've changed our schedule 10 times. Yep. So we'll, we'll get that out to you, but we'll record with him. But he had, a, he had an article that went out yesterday. And, uh, you know, basically a lot of questions still asked. And someone he referenced in his article uh, compared this to an iceberg. Uh, very little up top, a lot underneath that we haven't seen just yet. So there is, there wow. is a lot. A lot a great lot analogy. Yeah, it is a great analogy. Um, so well, a lot more to, 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 to keep posted on with that. Um, yesterday, you guys uh, paid me a little compliment. Eh? I went on uh, first up with Carlo Coliacomo and Aaron Col- Kolonik. And, uh, A-A-Ron. 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 And basically Col- rattled their cages with a little leaf talk. And I'll tell you, I mean, you guys, you guys yeah. were great. You went and listened to it. I appreciate that. But what would you think? I said the Leafs should trade Matthews at the end of the year if they don't get out of first round. It's bold. Um, <laughs> well, that's quite the mark. That's, that's put it lately. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's hard to know in that room. I, I, you could spin it back to the, the Sabres in the sense that sometimes addition by subtraction helps your team. Um, I don't know enough about the inner workings of that Leafs team, but I do know that there's a ton of pressure points coming up on this team if the stars continue to underperform or the team continues to underperform. So I agree with a lot of your take in that interview. <clears throat> I thought you were great. I don't like pumping you up too much, but don't, don't pump me up. It's but bad for me. There, there, there's certainly some tough days ahead for Toronto right now. Well, I said, you know, basically they, you know, they, they beat the Hawks in overtime that day. And I said on the show that day, I said, uh, you guys, you, if, if the Leafs lose, Dubas gets fired or Keith gets fired. That's, I mean, especially to Chicago, especially after the shitstorm that they, they just have, had gone through, uh, you know, that day in the media. Yeah, listen, I mean, I, I, I listened to your interview. I thought it was, it was entertaining. It was fantastic. I like your takes too. Like, I, I, I don't shoot them down. But I'll tell you this, I, I certainly would not be trading Austin Matthews. He's a bloody unicorn, man. I'm going to tell you, he's got rainbows all over him. He's, he's, it's incredible. Like, he is one of the greatest players in the game. And when you have those guys, you do not trade him away at the age of 24 years old or whatever the hell he is. This guy's a stud. He is not performing up to his capabilities, although he did have an injury to start the season. He's obviously started slow. The other head scratcher there is Mitchie Marner. I mean, Mitch Marner, he might want to stop wearing Mickey Mouse freaking shirts to the rink on game day. It's a goddamn embarrassment. Grow up. Grow up. That is it's a bad look. Like, I think it's a bad, bad look. It's a bad look for the team. It's a bad look for the NHL. And I, I, I who came up with that? Who came up with that decision? I want to know that. Is that Kyle Dubas? Is that him kind of wanting he, to be, you know, take a step back and we, we want our guys to be free and, and not have a dress code? He's certainly signing off on it. That's coaches. That's you. 
we've all been in the room. It starts with the players, right? Like they want some freedom to express themselves in their dress. They bring that to coaching staff. Coaching staff now brings that up to Dubas and then the decision's made. Like that's where it comes from. That's, you think maybe that Mickey Mouser was a bit of a subliminal message as to what's going on in Toronto right now? Listen, I played in Montreal, obviously in Buffalo. Toronto was a huge rival. So I'm not, I'm not going to be Wayne Gretzky and say that they're Mickey Mouse. No way. Like, am I wrong when well, I nice say reference this? Like, Gretzky yeah, uh, to the back, New Jersey yeah, Devils. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah. Like, am I, am I wrong when I, when I bring this up? I'm, like, you know, we're looking at uh, – like, I'm going to tell you something. And I, and, and I know there's people that are Toronto fans that listen to this podcast – you know, they, they like to, they love or hate what we say and they listen, right? But I'm going to tell you this. I am not bringing this up because they're not playing well. I'm bringing it up because this is wrong. I don't give a crap. If you have a loose dress code, and that means not wearing a suit and tie, I'm okay with that. But I'm going to tell you this. You need to look respectable. You need to look like you have Austin Matthews behind him walking in and he looks like he's going to the beach. He's got a pink pair of shorts on that are like, uh, what the, the, the six inch shorts, like seam shorts. Like you're a professional athlete. Our kids. Okay. Our kids are on social media and they're watching what you're doing and watching what you're wearing. And I know Obviously, you don't give a shit because you're looking like this. You got Mitch Marner's wearing a Mickey Mouse t-shirt going to the game that night. It's just wrong. It's it's wrong. And I'm going to tell you, I don't blame Mitch Marner. Could you imagine you if they were rolling into the finals You want to know like why this? I don't blame Mitch Marner? You don't want to know why I don't blame Mitch Marner? How old is he? He's just a kid. He's there to play hockey. He's looking for guidance. He's looking for structure, okay? This falls on Kyle Dubas. There is a way to be a professional. There's the, the game, are, there's so many layers to the game, okay? And I just look at, there's young kids that are watching Mitch Marner right now and what he's wearing to the game, and I think it is wrong. But and this is Mitch Marner. Don't blame him. Hey, old generation, man. Generation, my ass. Listen, yeah. generation, my ass. It's nothing to do with generation. It has to do with who's guiding you. And 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 you can, I agree with you one hundred percent, Ribs. It is generational. So I think there's room to loosen up, in the sense that you don't have to have the tie buttoned all the way up. But you I'm still fine with a pair. Aren't you, you fine you, with a pair of jeans and a nice pair of? Uh, like dress shoes and a button down and I don't, I don't know that you go back. I don't know that you go that casual. I think you are. That's the very minimum is that your jeans and a button down. But I think, I still think you have suit dress pants. I think maybe no not tie. talking the jeans that have like the patches on the knees and the tears in them that, you know, like the euros wear. you better and specify all the European guys love young players nowadays. You I better know. specify or they're going to take it to the extreme. Well, they are a professional athlete going to a game that night. There is a way that in the history of this game, you know, dress code has been, is, has been a big part of it. Okay. And I understand that the young men of today, 
they want to express themselves in their dress. And I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. If you want to wear a fluorescent green suit like Pasternak did last year, then please do it. Show, show that, that, that pizzazz in your, in your dress. But I don't, I cannot get around wearing a, uh, you know, a pair of, pair of jeans or whatever he's wearing here with a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. And you've got Austin Matthews on, like he's literally on vacation with a pink pair of uh, uh, shorts yeah. that are like, you know, like a six inch seam, I'm gonna, which are very I'm gonna, short. And he's got a white t-shirt on and, and, a, and a hat for sun, the sun. For time's sake, you're, you're, uh, you're I'm just going to stop because, because you're, you're, you know, you're repeating yourself there, but you know what the thing is though? Frustrating. I know, but if you could have, if you could imagine Derek Roy was a guy, when we played, we were like, Oh my God, he's so like risky with the dress code. And all he would do is wear a shirt, like a white dress shirt underneath that would have like a rose coming from like the back across the chest or something. And you're yes. like, man, this guy is crazy. He's crazy. He's pushing, he's pushing the envelope with the dress code. I couldn't imagine a guy like Derek Roy now playing, if he was playing for the Leafs with the lax dress code. I mean, like, come on, isn't this what players have wanted all along to a certain no. extent anyway? To a certain no. extent. Listen, no, you're wrong, Petey. I, I'm going to tell you this. When you're on the – like, every, every team is different. Every team has different standards, okay? For the Montreal Canadiens, when I was there, um, it, was, it was interesting because uh, there, was, there, was one, there was one trip, I think it was in Dallas, that we had a team dinner that night at 6 o'clock. And – in Dallas at the time, it was, it was 85 degrees. It was, uh, you know, really, really hot out. Our dress code is you had to have a collared shirt with dress pants and dress shoes. That was our dress code, okay? But when you go to dinner, you had to have a jacket. And, and you know, Jill, you're, you're shaking your head because you probably understand because you played there for five years, I showed up with Saku Koivu. Now we had gone out earlier that day after our practice in the morning and we did our, our, our work. We went out and we went for a walk and we walked through these little mall area and stuff. Yeah, that's code for cocktailing. <laughs> no, no, no cocktailing. Saku wasn't a big cocktailer, but we showed up at dinner. Okay. And we did not bring a suit jacket because it was 85 degrees out. It was, I was, I was sweating profusely with what I had on. I got fined and Saku got fined. He was the captain. I was, I was an assistant at the time. We got fined $500 each for not having a suit jacket. That was the standard of our team. When I came to San Jose, my very first dinner, I flew into town. I got in a cab and came to a, a, a restaurant where all the boys on the team were eating. Huge, long table. All, every, every guy was there. I walked in with a suit jacket, everything, just no tie. They looked at me like I had three heads because I had guys wearing Metallica t-shirts, ripped jeans, um, loafers on. And they looked at me and started laughing, saying, hey, you're not up north anymore. <laughs> we can relax down here. But... When they went to the rink that game night, everybody was dressed in a suit. Everybody had a tie on. Everybody looked respectful. And I do not like the direction of what they have chosen in Toronto. 
I'm surprised they're there, Gio. I mean, did you play with Shanahan? I did play with him. He was in Jersey. Uh, yeah. His last year playing, he finished with us in New Jersey. I'm, so, I'm, very, I'm very surprised. And I mean that, that, uh, that this is happening on his watch with the, with the history and tradition that, that he carries. Yeah. And, and one of the biggest things is, is Lou's always been a mentor to him. He said that when he hired Lou in Toronto and, and whatnot, Lou Lamarello. But I, Riz, I hate agreeing with you. Um, I really do, but I do agree with you. The one part I don't agree with is the history of the game. I, I don't think that it's tied to suits, the history of the game. What I do agree well, with this point, is, it has up to this point. And <laughs> what, what I'm saying is I don't, I don't, I don't it has, it is the history of the game because back in the day in the 19, you know, seventies, sixties, fifties, that was all just, those men wore suits to the game. That was all of society, though. Look back at the old Habs. Kids wore Toronto suits games. To, to, to school. Like yeah, my dad like wore a wearing... jacket and tied to grade three. Yeah, like it, that's what society was. You went out dressed and professional, and that's just all of society. So I don't so think where it's where we of the lost game. this. Listen, we, let me finish, would you please? <laughs> I agree with you on this matter. There's a few things. It sets a tone for your organization in structure, in, in discipline. And Lou Lamorello, I came in with him. He was the ultimate king in this, and this is why he has success everywhere he goes. He sets the tone, and they're little things. Facial hair, short hair, suits all the time. And I'm talking suits. You fly on the plane after practice, you got a suit, and your tie has to be buttoned all the way up. You get off the bus in Albany, which was the minor league team, at 3 in the morning. You're putting your suit on to walk off the bus for no one to see you, for you to unpack your bag in the arena. But it sets a mentality for your organization that, one, you are structured. You are giving yourself to something bigger, which is the team. You are sacrificing yourself for that. You're sacrificing your own personal style when it comes to game. And it's not about being a professional athlete, it's about being a professional. You're going to do a job. You're going to work. You're going to the rink to do, to do a job. And it, it sets the tone all the way through as far as discipline, structure, whatever you want to call it. That's the very first thing you do. And I think do there's people, a sense of seriousness do, when you put a suit on too. Yeah, that's, Lou has said that before, and I think Gomez has talked about it in some interviews that he said, listen, Put a suit on all day, w walk around, and see how much better you feel or how much more professional or what will come your way when you start acting that way. And I think it's the, it's the nature of it that people are going to push and, and try to – it was when we played, and it still is now. They're going to try to push the envelope of what is acceptable and what's not acceptable, but it has to have a structure to it. Do I think you need a tie anymore? No. Do I think you can express yourself like Pasternak does with a suit on? Yes. But look at that team. They're a team that has that. They're a team that is not about themselves, but they are still able to express themselves in a certain style fashion. I just don't like the tone it sets uh, to be that casual. You're going and you're working. You're professional. Uh, this is and, even and this athlete is has nothing casual. to do with it. It's not casual. You're not going to the beach. Who wears a Mickey Mouse t-shirt to an That's NHL gotta be hockey a first game? NHL. That's got to be a first. 
A Mickey Mouse t-shirt. I'm going to tell you, I'm a big fan of Mitch Marner. I'm a big fan of Mitch Marner. Yes, he has two assists in eight games. And yes, he's minus three and he has not performed up to capabilities. I am a massive fan of this young man. He is a terrific hockey player. He plays this game with passion. He's not only just a little skilled guy, he plays the game right. And I love his game. And I know he's going to get out of this. And I know he's going to make his team better and the players around him better. And he's not going to quit. I know that. But I do, I, 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 I just, when you look at, when you look at things around a team, I just feel like Toronto right now, they're trying to figure out identities and personal identities. And, 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 and I think and they're trying to, to make the players happy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, like, I think they're trying, because trying to find a way. I think they're trying to, I think they're so desperate in Toronto. They will allow Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews to look like, like do whatever children. they want. Do whatever they want, want so that happy. they just hope that they can extract as much of their give a shit and ability on a nightly basis that they can give. And this is the lengths that they're willing to go. And I, you know what? And for me, for me, I think okay about it? this. No, what are you going to do in the playoffs? Are you going to sit there and say, okay, guys, and I almost said NBC, you got ESPN, TNT, TSN, Sportsnet, you know, the, all the big stations are here. And we're covering the finals. If the Leafs, Leafs were to make it there, and you're going to tell me that you're going to allow them to do this, or are you going to screw with their heads in the playoffs and say, "Okay, guys, we had fun during the '82, but now we got to dial it in." Well, well, now you might piss guys off because now it's hot out, and Matthews actually does want to wear his beach yeah. shorts to the rink, right? So, how are you going to handle this? You know, I don't take this team seriously enough off of the ice for them to go forward far enough on the ice, to be quite honest with you. The funny thing is you sit there and, you know, again, you, and you I say that and I haven't even matured yet and I'm 41. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, well, it, I, perception becomes a reality, right? So whether it is true or not, the casualness with which they're going about things now becomes a reality, whether in their own heads or the public view that that's, it's just a bad look, especially who is on this a team, on? especially on a team that's that's not living up to expectations. It, like, it's, you know, we got to understand something here. Like, we're we're they have not played their best hockey. They they won a, a game last night against Chicago that is zero six and one. Who they were down two nothing immensely. They were down two nothing. They came back, won in an overtime. Um, but I mean, it it just seems like the team is floundering with a tremendous tremendous amount of skill and who is this fall on i just look at you know i'm i'm sitting here we've taken 20 minutes here to talk about mitchie marner and his in his mickey mouse t-shirt going to the game that night which i think is completely wrong which is is like a depiction of the way the team is playing right now it is way 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 better than what it has shown in the first seven games of the season there's three four and one there is no there should be no panic whatsoever in toronto right now i know they have not um played to their capabilities because there is a 
the standard is very high because of, of the players that they have in that lineup. That being said, I think that you should be telling these young players that I want you buttoned up. I don't want any frazzle-dazzle suit or I'm just going to send you home. Austin Matthews, you can take your sombrero off when you come to the rink, okay? No hat, no, no top hat, whatever you friggin' want to wear. You are going to be like every other player when you come to the rank. When you have your off time, you can wear whatever you want. I think, what you wear. I think it's a fedora, not a sombrero. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> but that's old man River talking. <laughs> but listen, but listen. You get what listen, I'm saying. Yeah, I do. Listen, listen, yes, and that's why we love you. Uh, on that note, we've opted to talk no savers today. They hit, they hit the road for the West coast and uh, we'll see how for real they are when they get back. Cause these Western road trips, I remember my first Western. Well, road are trip. they for real? What do you mean? Are we going to see if they're for real? How many games they played so far? Six. Yeah. Four, one and one. Yep. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not about being for real because they are for real. And I'm going to tell you why they're for real. It's because the effort that this team is putting in right now, whether they win or lose their games, I'm okay with it because they are going to give you the effort it takes to give them an opportunity to win with their current roster right now. They may not win a lot of games this year. I know they're doing well. Way to spin my words and to make me sound like I was being, you know, a jerk because I, I i wasn't i was just saying no, you weren't being a jerk okay all right but i yeah, i, you want, were I wanted to say like are like are we gonna find out if they're for real i think that we found out through six games that this team, i put that out on twitter and i got literally you know what, what'd you put out on twitter the, well for a joke i like joke i mean i was just having fun during the tampa game i go savers are gonna win the cup and then everyone's like drink the kool-aid blah 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 blah. some guy's like you're trying to get hired by the team again i'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no. I'm like no i'm not no and then, like then uh some uh someone else I, I think i wrote another one saying go support this team or whatever they deserve it for the first time in 10 years no offense to you i know you're here yeah, go go years. go watch I mean, the game like yeah, they, like yeah. they actually they deserve it yeah. and uh you know just people were like oh you know when this team you know they, they've it's been five games or whatever. I'll wait until game 40 when they really come back to reality. And I'm like, well, you know, okay. I understand that sentiment, but at the same time, I'm thinking the same way you are. It's and like I the first time we they, see consistent effort top to bottom. They will come back to reality. Cause yeah, I, they're not going to keep that winning pace. There's no way, but they why? are much. Why? Inexperience. It's just, it's a great team that works hard. They have a team atmosphere. They have guys kept, that want to be there, that want to play, that want to lace yeah. up every night. It's and big, it shows. It big, shows. Big it, it shows. There's no distractions within that room. They're not being uh, – the energy, the, the positivity is not being sucked out of them. They're just going and playing because they want to be here and they want to go play. And, yeah. and they will at times struggle with their inexperience. They will not be able to – in at game 20 game 40 game 60 compete with some of the teams in the league once everyone gets their stride but yes. if they are 500 and they are a good a, a hard-working team and they're doing what they are now that is everything that you want for the future in the sense that that's the trend everyone's been waiting to see for 10 plus years is a trend like that that's the team that they want to see going in the right direction your young guys being around 
this type of atmosphere set by your coach and your general manager and your staff, the positivity is there, the distractions are not, and they're just going and playing. That's where they are really good. They are still inexperienced. They are not a cup contending team, but they are a, a, a fun team to watch because they lay it out there and they have energy and they just play and they play hard and they, they, they just do. They, they do. It is. So they start their Western trip tonight in Anaheim. Now you know what day we recorded this, but you know, shame on me. Gio, uh, before we, we sign off here, uh, we haven't spoken like, I guess like this in a while, but uh, just, just in a while, your brother had his Stanley cup party. Uh, did you hoist it? <laughs> so I don't know if I told you guys or not. So yes, I did hoist it. Yeah. I mean, you're so, a former champ. You're allowed to, right? Yeah. So I didn't know this though, that there are rules around the Stanley cup and where you fall in that matter. So me winning it, having my name on the cup, I'm able pretty much to do whatever I want to do, eat out of it, lift it, hoist it, uh, drink out of it, whatever I want to do, I can do him as a scout, which I still love. Cause he's my little brother. I got to give him crap. I still, he, he's got two of them now, but I still have something over him. He can't hoist it. He can hold it. He can carry it around, but he can't put it above his head. He can't drink. What? He can't yeah. he put it above his head. I don't listen. These are the rules of it. Like, you take it into a dark corner, you can do what you want with it. But when the cup handlers are there and, 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 and at his party, there are different rules than we're at my party. Really? Yeah. This is the first, this is the first time I have ever heard anything. So let me, let's, let's back up here for a second because I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm kind of figuring it out now, but your, your little brother. Yeah. Is a scout for the Tampa Bay lightning. Welcome to the show. No, why? I, that's a good I, friend I didn't of mine. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to yeah, the right? conversation, friend. <laughs> no. So, yeah, so he my, had his day with the cup. Yeah. So my and brother. Rules. Yep. My brother, scout for Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they win it during COVID. He he, it can only stay in Tampa. The the cup doesn't travel that summer. So last year he went to his in laws who live in Tampa. They had his in laws, his kids, uh, with the cup. Uh, for a couple hours this year it traveled so he was able to have a party so we went to the party and I'm thinking nothing of it right like I go it's on the table uh I come up to it I got my kids and the cup handlers there I'm talking to them rehashing you know 20 years later and then I go hey can I you know I was just I'm, I'm gonna grab it is that okay he's like yeah yeah no problem I lift it uh I hand it to my son you know over your mean? head Oh yeah, yeah. You hoist it, of course. You lift it over your head. Yes. Oh my god, it's awesome, buddy. It's awesome. I missed that thing. I, Twenty I years picked, later, I, I was I, able I, to. It was like I picked like, up the cup too, but we'll tell you that story <laughs> after. So, so now, so then I'm going about, and the day's going about, and they're like, "Yeah, my brother can't do it." So he's holding it down in front of him, and so then he had to wait till I came over to him and got a hand on the cup. We both could hoist it together over both of our heads. As long as I, my understanding, this may be wrong, and you have to. My be understanding is I have to be touching and helping him hoist it because his name wasn't on it. News to me, like I had no idea because I just, 
My so party was way your brother, different. Your brother's probably at the party waiting for you to arrive. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah, like, fuck it. You, <laughs> to, you still need your older brother, buddy. Your <laughs> rings are, your rings are I nice. I can't even hoist this yeah. thing over my head. <laughs> so you know that there's a picture out there that is has only your brother in it, but your fingers are on the <laughs> yeah. side of it where you're cut out of the entire picture. Like, All like, you can see is your fingers on the side. It's like the picture in uh, Jerry Maguire where Jerry Maguire is cut out of the picture with uh, uh, Drew Bledsoe. <laughs> so it was, it, regardless, it was a fun night. I'm glad. Was a I'm pumped for him. He's got a couple cups and he had his day. And the best part was having, you know, me and Harvest, uh, my wife, we, we held it. We got pictures from 20 years ago where both of us are holding it. Same thing. Awesome. And then this was the first time my kids were able to see it. Like they weren't around when I won it. So for them to experience it, you know, and my, my son, he's 16. He's like, ah, I'm not going to touch it. I go, Oh, you touch that. This might be your only chance to touch it. Forget about jinxes and whatnot. This Did is he your touch chance. It? Yeah, absolutely. Terrible. Terrible advice from a father. Are you kidding me? Yep. Gee, well, why don't we do you paint know the, the Do you know the Listen, odds of making no. the NHL one and two, the odds of having a chance to win a Stanley cup? I understand that. I know the odds very well. By and do the you way. know the odds of having my brother Stephen calling right now too? Ha, suck it. You need me to lift the cup, buddy? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no. So, but the chances of my kids seeing the cup again, not in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but having the cup, a chance to have the cup. Do you see that ever again? You have to take advantage. I don't care what it is. And, and you can say it. I understand the, the jinxes or whatever, and it may be real because my brother, Stephen, and Ryan Callahan were both at my cup party as teenagers, 15, 16-year-old kids. They both touched it. They both lost in the finals. But, but I still would give that chance to my son no matter what, daughter, son, whoever. I guess I guess your brother and Callie has... I guess your brother and Callie will have a few apologies to give. The curse. Yeah. Yep. I guess it's a real curse. So Craig, did you want to tell them about our well, situation? No, I, 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 I guess everybody's different when it comes to the cup, right? And uh the old saying is um some people has very different superstitions when it comes to the Stanley Cup. Okay. Some people understand and honor the history and the tradition of who of is allowed, <laughs> uh, who's allowed to lift the Stanley cup. And some people have no care in the world that they just feel that, Oh, it's a uh, piece of metal. I didn't throw this over my head. Petey tip. and I were doing a show at the draft combine, combine, combine a couple years back. And there was the cup. The cup was there. On our table during the show. On our table during the show. It was amazing. And Petey is salivating and he's We had the keeper of the cup on. Live on the cup. We had the keeper of the cup on. And did did he ask you or did you ask him, Hey, can I uh, I just want to throw this over the head and I said uh, I, know, I didn't throw it over the head. I said, yes, Can I can I pick it up? Can I just see how heavy it is? And he said, You can't hold it over your head. That's I and I think he did say that. I think he said you can't hold it over your head. That's only for champions. And I said, but I just want to see how heavy it is. He goes, sure. But go what ahead. if you are a champion, just not an NHL? 
cup champion. <laughs> like of the stallion. Type. Can he clarify? Because you threw it over your head. If I'm <laughs> well, I said, well, champion. I mean, that's a rather vague description. Let me go ahead and just hoist this fucking thing right over my head. No, I, uh, I just grabbed it by the barrel of it, the base. And I just, lifted it up a little bit i just wanted to see how heavy it was geo and i i thoroughly enjoyed it and i don't feel cursed no you have to take advantage that is uh, i love it totally totally disagree with that that's just my feeling (laughs) Petey wanted me to uh i didn't did you touch it no i didn't touch it people that should be touching that are people that have won it that you know win the ultimate prize that that's what that uh, okay. that cups for. It's uh, it's for the people that have won it and battled and blood, sweat, and tears yeah. and everything else. And you know what? There'll be I some things we that I don't do my, in my life. The chance and that's of winning it was over. So yeah. I'm, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to take this chance to touch the Stanley Cup because it's, it's here. In touching it's different than than hoisting. I get you. That's where I think that comes in, right? I think that's where the whole hoisting the cup comes in. Is that that's reserved for the people that that won it right so oh. i think that's what i think that's it's touching to your point ribs is that hoisting it is different than touching it well i feel like a champion today having you on Gio. i'm gonna tell you this was a lot of fun you uh you made talking about an uncomfortable tough conversation that's happening in the nhl right now with the kyle beach situation much easier to discuss and free-flowing. So we appreciate your time today. Yeah. Uh, heavy topic for your first show with us, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time, buddy. And oh, I love it, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, that's life. It, life is all about these choices and what and making people better and being a part of a better society. So it's, that's all a microcosm of, of society is what's going on now. And I, like, uh, I, I just feel for Beach. Are you on with us next week? Yeah, I'm here, awesome. buddy. Awesome. I love it. Well, we look forward to it. Riv, do you have anything else you want to yeah. say? No one cares no, what you have to say. Just, uh, no, it was, it was, it was a great, uh, it was a great show. Great. Uh, you know, enjoyed talking and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully the NHL and Gary Bettman can, uh, gather his information, do his due diligence and just, uh, make the proper, uh, moves, uh, you know, with respect to, uh, Kyle beach, cause he deserves it. So that'll do it for After the Whistle. And uh, don't forget that we will record next week. It'll drop on Tuesday with Elliot Friedman. And uh, don't forget to tell your friends. Thanks for tuning in.